Welcome back to the Up Before You podcast. This is episode 28, and today I am joined with CrossFit Games athlete from Beyond Parallel CrossFit in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Ethan Helbig. What's up, Ethan? How's it going, man? Good. How are you? Can't complain. So I saw you were featured on Morning Chalk Up this morning Yep. for your fundraiser, um, A Lift for Kids. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about, about that? Uh, yeah. So this was like one of my passion projects that uh, I ended up creating last year. And essentially what it is, is I find hand-selected people, or this year we opened it up to the public for everyone to join in. Um, and what we do is we find sponsors, and we lift weights, and sponsors pledge so much money per pound of what they lift. Uh, last year it was just Olympic weightlifting, and this year we ended up doing CrossFit Total and Olympic weightlifting, a little bit of, a little bit of each part. Um, we did the CrossFit Total, that way we could have it more open to the public, just because with space and stuff like that, we thought it was too hard to have multiple, multiple people in here doing snatches and cleaning jerks, and just a little bit of like a safety thing. So this year we ended up opening it up to anybody who could find sponsors, and uh, it ended up going very, very well this year. Yeah. So what's the, what's the story behind it? Why do you... Yeah, so a little bit more of like my personal background. So yeah. when, when I was born, um, me, and my, me and my mother had some issues. Um, Morning Chalk Up actually had the actual definition of it, but I just say my umbilical cord was actually wrapped around my neck, so apparently it's a common thing. But um, I didn't know that. But essentially, whenever I was born, like I wasn't breathing, um, nothing like that. So the Children's Hospital actually ended up taking care of me. And I was on not really life support, but they, they had close monitoring on me for a couple days um, after the birthing. And um, yeah, so I wasn't really alive whenever I was born. Uh, they had to essentially do some, some special things to kind of bring me back to life. Yeah. So since they kind of saved my life, I kind of try to help by giving back to yeah. them. That's really cool to like bring in the whole lifting and it's just a, it's a really cool project I think. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to do, to do something it. for them and yeah. I have this awesome platform of owning a gym and knowing a lot of people in the CrossFit community mm -hmm. and I mean you know yourself with the CrossFit community there's a there's a lot of people who are very generous so mm -hmm. it's it's very easy to have an event like this and a lot of people kind of grab onto it so we've had fun the past yeah. couple of years. Definitely too. helps with the fundraising like from a money standpoint bringing in the total. Yes, you can get some big. You can get some big numbers. <laughs> yes, numbers. especially. I mean, we had a lot. We had a lot of people raise over a, like a dollar per pound. Yeah. So there was there were some lifters who were bringing in well over a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's that's big. Yeah, especially <laughs> yeah. because when I reach out to sponsors, I like my minimum donation in order to sponsor one of my Olympic weightlifters is like five hundred dollars, and I didn't really ex I didn't know what to expect from people who were finding their own sponsors. But there was a lot of people who found found money somewhere else, which is awesome because. I didn't have access to it myself, so the fact that they were able to bring that in and help out the cause was, was huge, so it was a good yeah. reason. All right, so you touched on it a little bit, but can you tell me a little bit more about your childhood? Yeah, so, I mean, growing up, uh, I played hockey my entire life. Um, never really had any residual effects from the birthing. Um, essentially, it was just kind of, it happened, um, the hospital took care of me. And then after that, um, there were really no residual effects that I had to deal with. Um, I was very fortunate because some of the things that can happen is because there's no oxygen getting to the brain whenever you're born like that, um, you can have some type of brain issues, birth defects, and stuff like that. So like I said, I was very fortunate that none of that um, happened to me, but I know there are other people who that has happened to where you know, it's kind of like a life-changing thing where you have a perfectly healthy baby, and then during the birthing process, something happens, and then all of a sudden... You know, your kid has mm -hmm. has a has a brain defect where only half of their brain works, or and stuff like that. Where 
it, it can even cause different internal shutdowns. So, like I said, I was fortunate enough not to deal with that. But um, I guess back to more of my, my growing up background. Uh, I played hockey my entire life, so I was fortunate enough to have a father who had a good job. I know hockey's kind of one of those sports yeah. where it's expensive, <laughs> yeah. and I thank my dad every day that he gave me the opportunity to do that. Um, but I played hockey for 13 years, did a couple other sports um, along the way. Um, one of the main reasons I, I had to quit hockey was simply because of like concussions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I did. I used to race motocross. Uh, I was kind of born as like a outdoors country boy type of <laughs> type of ordeal. So uh, I used to do boxing too. And one summer after wrecking my quad, I didn't know I had a concussion, and then went to boxing and ended up getting a major concussion. And that started my trickle effect of I have seven listed concussions, like by doctors, and then th- they said there's probably easily three or four more that haven't been accounted for. Yeah. So I'm not really allowed to do any more contact sports um, because of that, so that's why I kind of found a sport where I can get away with not having to hit people where people hit me, but I can still have the adrenaline junkie um, type of workout atmosphere. Yeah, what is the limit? I know there's a limit on concussions. <clears throat> do you know I don't know. Those? I think it's different for everyone. I've heard that like 10 is where yeah. you have to worry about it, but... Yeah. I honestly don't know the actual limit where it's like a life or death situation. My brother's had more than me. So just to put that in like, yeah. and he's, he has sleeping issues because of it. Like he's had so many concussions where he can't even sleep at night because mm-hmm. of everything that's happened to him through his, he had the same thing. He wrecked on his dirt bike yeah. and then through boxing and hockey. I mean, he's had at least six or seven concussions just playing hockey, not to mention the other ones that have happened. So. Yeah, head injuries are no joke. No, there's a mess you up. and it's such a new a new thing. Like yeah. nobody really knows anything about them other than the fact that years down the road they're seeing some serious residual yeah. effects from them. So, so when you were growing up and you were playing hockey, were you like dead set on that was going to be life? Yeah, I honestly like my goal was I wanted to go play <clears throat> juniors, I wanted to go to college, I wanted to play in the NHL. Like I had all the aspirations, and then you kind of get to that point where once you get to a certain level, it becomes less of less of a hobby and something fun to do and it becomes more of like a job where you know you're hired and then you're fired and you're always being judged for it as soon as it became to the point like that that's when I kind of got tired of doing it but I stuck with it for Mm -hmm. as long as I could Uh, my senior year of high school was the last year I actually played so most people go on to play until they're like 21 Mm -hmm. and then and then they go to college Um, and yeah so it it is a very long career it's not something where like most football players they go to high school they go to college and then they're in the pros or something like that by the time they're mm-hmm. 22. Well, you're just starting college yeah. as a 22-year-old in hockey. So it's kind of like a, a mature sport, I guess you could say. So what about all the guys that get drafted at like 18 you see all the time? So a lot of the time, those guys are hand-selected. Like 15, 16 years old, they're going to play in the OHL, the USHL. Like yeah. They're cream of the crop. They come straight out of the top-tier junior levels, and that's why they go straight into the pros. They skip to college. So there's actually a couple different sects of, of juniors. You can actually play junior hockey, which is still amateur hockey, and get paid for it. Yeah. As soon as you accept that contract, you're no longer eligible to play NCAA. So if you play in the OHL, so any of the Canadian leagues, all of their players get some type of, of payment mm-hmm. for being on those hockey teams. Um, that's why the American system is set up the way it is, is because they most of the time... Unless you're in the USHL, most of the kids go to college after juniors. The USHL is equivalent to the OHL, but Mm -hmm. there's no payment. That way, if you don't get drafted, you can still go to college, get an education. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as you lose college eligibility, um, you can no longer get a um, 
oh God, what's it called? Losing, losing train of thought. Scholarship. You can no longer get a scholarship. As soon as you lose that, yeah. I mean, why you? A lot yeah. of those guys are playing hockey, so they can eventually go to school if they don't make it to the pros. So as soon as you lose that scholarship, you're kind of stuck with, you know, either paying for school if you're not academically mm-hmm. there, or you have to, you just lose all of. They, they can't play NCAA at all. Mm-hmm. It makes you ineligible. So that's kind of why America sets up their system the way that it does. Yeah. So did you have a, like a school you really wanted to go to growing up? Oh yeah, my favorite school is Notre Dame. I always won. I always won to go to Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah. Their hockey team's awesome. It was either Notre Dame or Ohio State. Yeah. Those are my like my top two. Is Ohio State good? Ohio State's really good. Yeah. Who? Yeah. So there's like Notre Dame. Who else is good? Like Minnesota uh, and stuff like that. Honestly, I used to know all the schools that were good back yeah. in the day, but it bounces around so much. It, it's really hard to tell where the mm-hmm. talent goes anymore. I couldn't tell you who's there now. I mean, I know the top schools still stay at the top. Like yeah. Ohio State's still like a top ten ranked <clears> team. Notre Dame is, but. There's actually a lot of Eastern state schools that like nobody's ever heard of yeah. that are just ridiculous at hockey because that's where they put all of their money. Mm-hmm. Like the Michigan schools, yeah, they're covered in snow all year, pretty much early on in the year till late in the season. Yeah. So football doesn't really take off up there. No one wants to go sit in the stands when there's four feet of snow on the ground. Yeah. So they play hockey up there, and there's a lot of there's a lot of like center states, like Western states that put a lot of the, a lot of money into hockey, and then a lot of the Northeastern states, like in Massachusetts, like um, Boston College. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great at hockey. Great at hockey. <clears throat> yeah, we have a club team at Ole Miss. That's yeah. Very good. <laughs> yeah, you guys got a great football program, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's been better. It's been seen mm-hmm. better days. But, um, Football's the same way. Comes yeah. and goes. It really just depends on where the talent wants to go. Yeah. Everybody has their dream school, and you could be the best player going, going through the ranks and, you know. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to go where your heart's desired, so the talent is always flopping around. But. Yeah. So how are you training for hockey? How does it differ from today? Uh, so hockey, back in the day, I did it all wrong, to be honest. Like, I, I would bounce around from program to program. I was one of those kids where I thought, if you just lifted weights, you'd get better at everything. I wish I would have known what CrossFit was whenever I was playing hockey, because mm-hmm. I would have been more athletic had I found it at, a year, at an earlier age. So I truly believe that if I would have been doing CrossFit while I was playing hockey, I probably would have had a better chance at going to a good D1 school or even just being an overall better mm-hmm. hockey player versus what I was doing. Because I was just going, to, going to the gym to lift weights. Mm-hmm. That's all I was doing. Didn't really do any actual athletic training, no, no cardio, nothing like that. My cardio was going to hockey practice. I thought that was good enough. So that's why I try to work with as, as many athletes as possible now. That way we can kind of groom them and put them in the right programs at young ages. Mm-hmm. So we do a hockey-specific program here over the summer. And a lot of what we teach those guys is, listen, you have to train for your position. You can't train like everyone else is training because mm-hmm. you, you have to be better at certain things than other people. So that's kind of why me and my brother both realized, hey, we both messed up. But if we, do, if we take our resources that we have now and put them into a program – we can help a lot of kids grow in this area and possibly be professional athletes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what I was doing back in the day was not right. <laughs> so if I, knew, if I knew back then what I knew now, I'd probably have a totally different career or I, it just would have taken me longer to get here. Yeah. So do you, do any, do you coach any hockey? No. 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 Actually, funny thing is I never played football. I played football for one year, did not like it, yeah. <laughs> and I coach football team now. Oh, so, yeah? yeah, I'm actually the strength and conditioning coach for Seneca Valley's football team. Um, this year we went to 
I guess you could say, we went to finals this year, so we played at Heinz Field uh, and, and lost. But first year yeah. uh, and within the past three years that we've gone. So yeah. we were so able to turn the team around. You bring them in here or you go there? Um, I, go to the, I go there. So yeah. I go there three times a week uh, during off-season and four times a week during the summer. Um, that was actually my only job whenever I was training for the CrossFit Games. I put this um, in the hands of my other coaches and ended up, I would coach one hour a day at the football, at, at the field house, and then I would just train all day long. So that was pretty much my entire life over summer. So I was fortunate enough to, to have that this year. But um, yeah, I go there. They, it, it, there's, there's 85 kids on the football team. Mm-hmm. So trying to bring them all here is just yeah, that'd be crazy. a logistical nightmare. <laughs> so do you ever want to go back and coach hockey? You know, not really. Um, yeah. I was a goalie. My passion right now is coaching CrossFit, and mm-hmm. I don't I don't see it ever that ever really changing. Um, adults tend to groom a little bit better because they truly they, they know what they want. They're goal oriented, and they'll listen to coaching for the most part. Kids, on the other hand, a lot of times are forced to play, and I've learned this through football that when ki- when when people don't want to be there. They don't truly want coaching, and nothing's worse than putting your heart into something and feeling like like they don't even want it. Yeah. So, I would like coaching hockey would be cool. Um, I was a goalie, so I would more than likely be a goalie coach. Mm-hmm. But no, I would I, I wouldn't go into like a head coaching role or nothing like that for coaching mm-hmm. a team. I just I wouldn't even know where to go. <laughs> I've been out of the game for so long mm-hmm. that it it would just be like a nightmare. So when you played hockey, were you bigger than you are now? Um, no, I was actually the same size. Yeah. Yeah. I weighed 220 pounds as a goalie going into the season, and I would always drop a ton of weight because we wouldn't lift as much weight in season. So my last year playing juniors, I was 225 um, at the beginning of training camp, and by the time I came home from season, I was 185. So I dropped 40 pounds over season. Yeah. And then I came back home and did CrossFit and put it all back on. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. No, that's a lot of weight. To, I don't. I, like, I don't even know how I did it. Mm-hmm. To be honest, like I was so skinny whenever I, I didn't even know it was physically possible to put on and lose that much weight and still stay healthy mm-hmm. um, in such a short amount of time. Because I'm talking 225 down to 85, 185 in like three months. Yeah, it's, so that can't be good. No, I mean, I, if, if, if I lift weights, I automatically put on weight. Just like I'm in my off-season training program right now, I'm 15 pounds heavier than I am every summer. So I can't get below 225. I have tried everything. I'm just heavy, so we're gonna change some things up going in going into January, obviously. But just as soon as I lift weights, I'm guaranteed to put on weight, no matter what I do. Wow. Yeah. So then, how did you find CrossFit? So, funny story. My last my last year playing hockey was my senior year in high school, and I always had like a group of people that I would lift with over at the YMCA, and one of them was an older gentleman. Uh, his name's Gerard Bay. He owns a flower shop right down the road. And he would always spot me on my squats. And I kind of knew his daughter, but I talked to him more than I talked to her. So we met each other kind of through the gym. <coughs> Excuse me. And he mentioned several times that I should try CrossFit. He just thought that I had the perfect build. Um, one of the things, speaking of never doing cardio, one of the things that my, my final hockey team that I played for had me doing over the summer was a seven-minute burpee test. Mm. And I always scored the highest on it. Like, I'm talking... Even before I did CrossFit, in seven minutes, I was doing like 120 burpees. And people would always be like, why is that guy at the YMCA doing burpees? It was because, I don't know, it was just something I was good at. I liked yeah. it. And, but he kept telling me, dude, you need to go try CrossFit. You need to go try CrossFit. And I'm like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm training for hockey right now. 
wasn't really. But, you know, I'm training for hockey right now. I don't want to do that and go get hurt because that's all I heard about it was like, hey, you're going to get hurt doing that. It's not, none of it's good for you, which is, in my opinion, a total lie if you do it right. Um, but, yeah, so, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. what was your impersonation of, or what did you think of CrossFit before you did CrossFit? I hated it. You just thought, yeah. like, what yeah, just, thinks, without even knowing anything about it, think, I was just yeah. like, I was like, why would you CrossFit? Like, that's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And now here I am a couple years later. <laughs> yeah. It's like I said, that's, that's the stigma with everything though. Like unless you've tried it or done it or know something about it, yeah. you're always going to knock something new. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, back to what we were talking about. Sidetracked. Um, same thing. Oh, you're doing the burpee test. Oh yeah. Okay. So <laughs> anyways, doing the burpee test and he would always come up to me and say, Hey man, you need to try CrossFit. You need to try CrossFit. And then when I came home from my final hockey season, he said it again. He's like, he's like, hey, now that you're done with hockey, let's go try CrossFit. <laughs> and I ended up just Googling CrossFit. And I, I remember I was in Colorado because when I was done with hockey, I was like, okay, I need to find something to do. So I was going to work for my father who owns a construction company. And we were out there for a certification. And the entire weekend, instead of studying for the test on what we were, what we were out there getting certified in, I was watching CrossFit Games videos. Like literally, I was like, I was like dad. I need to look at this CrossFit stuff. Like, it's really cool. Like, they're doing these things called snatches and, like, cleaning jerks. And th- this dude just did 100 unbroken pull-ups. And I'm just like, this stuff's awesome. I want to do this. I was watching Rich Froning. Um, <laughs> had no idea who he was. Anyways, I came I, – I was literally in Colorado Googling CrossFit gyms in Cranberry. And the first one that came up was actually Beyond Parallel. They, they, they weren't even open yet. They were, they were launching their website the day that I Googled it. So, like, that's why they showed up right away because it was, like, a brand-new website. I ended up calling him as soon as I got home, went, went in like a week later, and I don't know. I did my first workout, absolutely died doing like kettlebell swings and air squats, which is like, you know, if, now, now I look back at that like, wow, you were that out of shape when you first started, but now I look at it, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, hey, everyone has to start somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, I went into the gym, Julie Wakefield absolutely killed me, and she was like, I remember walking into the gym, and the first thing I said was, I was like, I want to go to the CrossFit Games. First thing I said, as soon as I walked into the gym, they're like, they're like, yeah, okay, okay, buddy. But no, that's that's kind of where it started. Was somebody told me to go do it, and I knocked it for the longest time. I tried it, and then from that day on, I was there five, six, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Nothing could stop me from going. Like, absolutely loved it. Started with the classes, and then just kind of took off from there. Yeah. So you said you wanted to go to the games from the start, but when did you really get serious about going to the games? Oh, geez. I mean, I wanted to go to regionals my first year doing CrossFit. Like, I remember I didn't even sign up for the Open, but, like, I was doing the workouts and comparing myself to what Rich got. That was 2014. Yeah, 2014. It it was just a funny story. And then I wouldn't even say when I thought I wanted to go because, like, I wouldn't say I wanted to go from day one. Like, after I started getting into it and after my first fall brawl. So, like, I did the fall brawl in 2000 and. I want to say 2014 was my first year. I went there, competed, had a blast. I think I took like 19th or 20th or something like that that year. And immediately after my first competition, um, I knew, okay, this is something I want to do. Like I want to train for this. Um, I think I can make regionals um, if I train hard enough. And then just I went back to to the drawing board with, with my coaches, ended up following the program. And then every year I just kept getting closer, getting closer, getting closer. And the year I realized that I was that I could go to the games was my first year regionals. Um, I, I would say that was the point where I was like, okay, 
if you 100% commit to this, no excuses, no like no missed days, no nothing, you could make it. Because mm -hmm. I missed a lot of training just due to being lazy my first year at regionals. Made regionals, and then I would always make an excuse not to train. Last year, I could have been throwing <laughs> up in the middle of winter, and I would still find a way to go do some type of a workout. Yeah. Like, I never missed a single day. And just like my, my coach would send me my program, if I didn't finish something before I had to coach class, I would immediately start warming up after I coached the next class, and I would get in my remainder of stuff. Like, I never missed a single movement, a single rep, a single set. Like, everything to a T followed the plan. And I would say my first year at regionals was what sparked me to, like, be like, okay, you can do this, go to the games, make it happen. And I would literally, for motivation, I would watch – my old regional highlights just because I would always get in my own head and be like, you can't do this. Like, there's no way you can do this. So yeah. like I would go back and watch what I would did, what I did at regionals and learn from my mistakes. And like, it would get me super fired up. It might, it might sound weird to like go back and watch yourself. Mm. But when I saw what I was able to do and where I missed out on, it would make me excited to go work on my weaknesses and be like, okay, you can fix that. Go fix it. Get better at it for next year. Mm -hmm. It was just weird little things like that. But yeah. So you went to regionals twice before you made the games, right? Yeah. So how were those first two years? The first year was scary because two workouts with my biggest weakness came out, ring dips and muscle ups. My ring dips are awful simply because I have no chest. Like when I say I have no chest, I am the heaviest person on the floor. I cannot even bench more than I power clean. Like, there's a lot of guys that can bench well over 300 pounds. I'm talking my one rep max bench press was like 275, and it's embarrassing. I'm just like, yeah, I have no chest. I can squat for days, but you asked me to do a bench press workout, and I'm just like, okay, I'll take that last on this one. But yeah, so 21-15-9 is a great rep scheme, not for ring dips and muscle ups. High intensity, a ton of reps. A lot of those guys can crank those out on broken, and I was 100% deathly afraid of both of those workouts. And the biggest thing that happened to me that completely screwed me over on the first year was I'm, I'm 5'11", 225. I am next to Cody Anderson and Ryan Elrod in the final heat of the muscle-up workout. This guy to my right goes on broken. This guy to my left does all of them in two sets, and I'm just like, all right, guys, doing singles. <laughs> but yeah, no, the first year was great because it was a learning experience. Yeah. I learned, A, don't watch your competitors, watch it, focus on yourself, and B, with the right rep schemes and the right plans, even your biggest weakness can come out to be a success, because I went out on my second year of regionals with another weakness workout, which was the handstand walk and the muscle ups, and completely destroyed it simply because I stuck to my plan. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story just because you guys are going to enjoy this, so... Immediately before going out for the 21-15-9 muscle up and overhead squat workout, Josh said, whatever you do, do not steer away from your rep scheme. First set, I go out and hit a set of 11 instead of 7. And he goes, no! I could literally hear him yelling behind me as I'm doing my muscle ups. And the only reason I didn't get out of the rings is because I kept looking to my left and my right and watching those guys. And I was like, okay. Screw Josh's plan. When these guys break, I'm going to break. <laughs> fell apart. 100% fell apart. I was so caught up in keeping up with those guys on, on, on the muscle-ups that I just completely crashed and burned on that workout. But the, the next year, me and Josh was like, okay, whatever you do, don't do what you did last year. <laughs> so I went out, stuck to the plan, and ended up my worst finish this year was, I think, 
15th or 16th. Okay. So every year is a, is a crazy learning experience just because you can go back and evaluate and see what you have to do for the next year. And who would have thought that that bench press is going to be at regionals? I literally told somebody that if bench press is at regionals, I will quit CrossFit. And then they put Linda in there. <laughs> Never ended up quitting, but yeah, ended up doing well on that workout too. So the biggest thing I can say about my experience at regionals is that it completely changed my life because it gave me something motivating to, to train for. Um, even though I didn't hit where I wanted to my first year at regionals, which I wanted to be top 10 and I didn't quite make it, I was 12th, it made me so much more motivated to train for the next year that I literally told Josh the day I got home from regionals that I wanted to start training for next year. And he was like, no, like you have to take some time off. I'm like, I'm like no, I'm going to go do a workout. So I came in here and started rowing and like biking and doing stuff like that the next day. And Josh was like, if you don't stop, I'm not going to be your coach anymore. <laughs> So yeah, so <clears throat> you're Atlantic region, right? Yes. It's a pretty stacked region. It is. No, we have the most CrossFit Games veterans. Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty. From what I was told, we have the most CrossFit Games veterans out of any region. Because who you have the Smith brothers? We have both the Smith brothers. Um, we have we had the Anderson brothers, so yeah. Cody Anderson uh -huh. and Alex Anderson. Um, we have Aaron Hanna, okay. Daniel Petro. Uh, what's Adam, Noah Olson. Adam Clink. Adam, Adam Clink's not a games veteran. No? He's a five-year regionals veteran. He's never made it to the games. Oh. oh yeah. Okay. And then there's, there was somebody well, else. Well, he was close this year. Wasn't he sixth? I think so. No. Travis Mayer. Travis Mayer was sixth. Okay. No, Adam Clink took eighth. Okay. But yeah, I mean, if you think about it, out of 40 spots, and now myself, there's nine or ten people that were at regionals last year that have been to the games and have that experience of going to the games. And I've been going to regionals for years. Like, I don't know if there's another region that has that many people that have gone to the games consecutive times. You know what I mean? I mean, they, they always said the Atlantic Regional, and now that Matt Frazier's in, the Atlantic yeah, Regional and the Central yeah. East are the two <clears throat> hardest regions to qualify in because of the depth of experienced athletes. So. Yeah, could you imagine if Rich was still an individual? That no. region now, that'd be pretty crazy. Yeah. Him and Matt. <clears throat> that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. It'd be cool if he was still doing it individually to see him and Matt go at it. Yeah. I mean, I have an, I have an interesting theory on that, and I don't really want to touch on that right now, but I think Rich, Rich in that region would be pretty deadly. I mean, yeah. at the same time, he's not as young as he was. Could he still do it? I would say yes. He probably could still do it because he's Rich Froning. But at the same time, he has other priorities. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do that anymore. Yeah. So I think him him doing team is cool because it brings what he did for the teams is he made watching the teams more interesting. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, before he went team, who watched the teams? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody <laughs> cared about the teams. The first year that Rich went to the games, they had all kinds of spectators at, on the teams because everybody wanted to watch Rich Froning. So. He kind of took the spectating and gave the teams like a new light, which mm -hmm. I think is super cool. So what he did as an individual was awesome, like a four-time fittest man on earth. Mm -hmm. But what he did for the teams and what he brought to the table for them is, is even better because now look, super teams is going to be the future. Like competing as an individual is cool, but the future is going to be watching the team aspects because all of the veterans <laughs> who don't make it are now going to be on these super teams. So. Yeah. People are going to enjoy watching the individuals this year, but the teams are really going to be where the spectators are going to be because mm -hmm. now you're going to get to watch 
Rich Froning's team and whoever else decides, hey, individual is cool, but I think teams where it's going to be at. And there's going to be a lot of people doing that this year. So do you think Matt cares about winning more than Rich won? Like winning five or six or whatever? Yes. I think it's because someone else already did it. Matt cares about it more. Froning was the first. Froning didn't have a goal to reach. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to win every year he went. But he set the standard. And now that Matt kind of has a goal to take, like like a record to take down, I think he simply cares about it more because there's a number to beat. No one, I, I don't think, I don't think we'll ever see another person in our sport do this other than Matt and Rich. Like, it's, it's going to be very, very hard for somebody to come in and say, I'm going to win six years in a row. Because who knows, Matt might not even stop after he wins five years or four years or, or whatever he does. Who knows yeah. what he's going to do. But... I think because Matt now has a number to beat, I mm-hmm. think it means more to him simply because, I mean, who doesn't want to go down in history is like, holy cow, Rich Froning set four years and all of a sudden someone came in after him and set five. Yeah. So on top of that, do you think Rich really cares that Matt's about to beat his four CrossFit championships? Those guys talk a lot. I mean, Matt literally trains in his barn. Yeah. So I think if anything, Rich would be happy for him yeah. because he knows how hard it is to do that let alone to do for someone to beat it. So I think it's more of a respect thing. Like yeah. Rich isn't going to be mad if and when Matt beats his record. Mm-hmm. Rich already did it. He's, yeah. I mean, I don't think you could quote, like I could be totally wrong. I don't think he ever has anticipations of, of doing masters. I don't think he would ever really try to go back to individual unless for some reason, Matt beating his record does like yeah. anger him, which I don't think it would. Like I said, those those two seem to be pretty close from what I heard, just from talking to both of them. And I think if anything, Rich would be extremely like happy for Matt rather yeah. than like angered by it. Yeah, that that gym's pretty cool now with Rich and Matt and Tia. Oh yeah, and it's just a it's every sweet. Everybody trains there. I, I don't know if it's Rich bringing them all together, or if, it, or if it's Hinshaw, or if it's oh, yeah, or if it's yeah. what, but like. I think that's kind of – I don't know if that's why Matt goes down there. I, I know, like, champions talk, obviously, and, yeah. Matt and Matt and Rich talk. But they both train with Henshaw, and Henshaw's located down there. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling it's just a little mixture of, of everything. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, the amount of, of training power that is down there is ridiculous. Yeah. They, I mean, they even have um, one of the fittest teams in the world down there. Oh, really? Who's – I can't remember his hey, name. Yeah. No, the, well, her too, but the guy. He won the teen division like two years ago before Angelo. he aged out. Yes. Is that, what's his last name? Angelo, it starts with a D. I, I want to say it's DeSirio, but it's not DeSirio. Like yeah, but he trained under the rich for yeah. the longest time, and pretty soon <laughs> he'll be coming through the ranks in the yeah. adult division. So. Yeah, and Sarah was there last year. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. Everyone's coming through. Would, yep. would you ever want to go there? Move there? No, um, just because I got my homes here and yeah. I love what I do. Um, I wouldn't want to put this aside the to go train with somebody, but to go down and hang out for a long weekend, yes, I would love just just to see what I can learn. I mean, always looking to yeah. learn from somebody. Sure. All right, so you made it to the games this year. Yes. What was that like? That whole experience. <sighs> the experience was awesome. Yeah. Training for it sucked. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely loved it, honestly. But there was more days than not. I finished training, and I was like, why am I doing this? Like, I would just yeah. I would just lay on the ground. There's sometimes I would literally just lay down after a workout and take a nap. 
because I like I would wake up a half hour late, later in my own sweat on the floor from almost killing myself doing a workout. Like I trained so hard for the games because I had a goal and I wanted to place top 10 my rookie year. Like I wanted to be that guy that came out of nowhere, went there, made a statement. And I think the fact that I put that much pressure on myself and pushed myself that hard, that's why I overtrained. Mm-hmm. Like I would go I would go eight hours without eating and then put down like 4,000 calories before bed because like doing that much intense training kind of takes away your appetite mm-hmm. and it just kind of ended up biting me in the butt. But training for the games was, was fun, but it was awful. Um, it was just a lot of days of like you have to go to dark places in order yeah. to to be at that level. And I mean, Matt Frazier talks about it, like being willing to go to that dark place, but like until you have to do it every day, Seven days a week, like I didn't have off days. My my off days were doing triples as active recovery. So it would be like swim in the morning, row bike in the afternoon, gymnastic skills in the evening. Those are my off days. Okay. So like training days were just rough. And to go to those dark places every single day and enjoy doing it takes a special person. Being at the games <laughs> was amazing just simply because I had so many people give me such good insight about being there and about soaking it up and just enjoying being there versus getting caught up in in the competitiveness of it of it like obviously you want to be a competitor you're there to compete but don't walk around with your blinders on and actually soak up the environment and the crowd and the people that you're there with because you never know when you're going to go back you never do nothing's guaranteed so my experience at the game this year even though it wasn't the performance that i wanted it was the experience that i needed yeah so Going into the games, was your mindset? Were you kind of like thinking, like I don't belong here, like with these, like with the big names that were there? Did you ever think that? No, not at all. No, no, because no, I kept telling myself I qualified like everybody else. Yeah. So everybody qualifies. If it if it was one of those things where it was like, you know, you just luckily made it there, mm-hmm. you can't make it there luckily in this sport. Yeah. I mean, there's too many, there's too many cutoffs, too many qualifiers. Like you have to prove yourself to get at the games. Mm-hmm. And I never once thought like. It's Matt Frazier. What am I doing next yeah. to him? No, my, my biggest thing going into, into to this year was if you're going to go to the games and be a fanboy, you might as well sit in the stands. So I went there knowing that, like, or thinking that I can compete with any one of those guys. So that was my mindset all through training, all through meeting those guys. Like, yeah, we'd shake hands and talk to each other, but as soon as it was go time, my number one thing was chase down the fastest guy there. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's the entire mindset I had throughout the entire experience, um, even with some of the struggles that I had. So, Who was the favorite guy you met there? Pat Vona. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot of talking with, with – actually, I talked to Matt and Pat a lot, which you would never think of it because, like, they're the top guys. You think that they would just be, like, blinders on in their bubble. Yeah. No, they're actually very friendly. Like, obviously, if they need their alone time, they're like, all right, don't talk to me. But, like – the entire weekend, I did more joking around with Pat and Matt than I did yeah. anybody else. And it was kind of funny because Vellner's that guy where he will come up to you and he will like literally try to get in your head and he'll talk shit. But at the same time, he's the nicest guy in the world. He'll just like, without even knowing you, he'll immediately start, just start, just start <laughs> jabbering. And then, yeah, he, he, me and him talked a little bit after the games mm-hmm. and he was, you know, he would check up on me, send me a message, be like, Hey man, I know you're a rookie and you know, you did a great job this year. Don't don't let this year's placement like steer you away from 
from where you're at and where you've been. Um, just, just little things like that. And it was really cool to have somebody who's, you know, obviously his first year at the games, he podiumed? Yeah, yeah. third, third, and now mm-hmm. second. It's like somebody who is that good and has placed that high for him to message someone who, you know, first year there to 32nd to be like, hey, keep your head up. You did great this year. Yeah. It was pretty cool. So, You think you're going to get him at Wadapalooza? You know, I like to think I will, but at the same time, Pat Vellner is such a talented person at this. Like, obviously, I have my strengths. Yeah, but he doesn't look like it. No. Which is funny. No, not That's at all. So I mean, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to talk mad crap the entire <laughs> weekend. I'm going to try to throw him off his game. But at the same time, my focus this year is just a little bit different because of pers- like life choices. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I mean, I never go to a competition thinking, like, I'm not going to win. I always go there with the mindset, like, you can win this. But at the same time, I'm, I'm realistic. Pat Vellner, he's, he still has a couple years yeah. of, I guess you could say, competing left versus yeah. me. I have a lot of years of competing left. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not out there to try to dethrone anybody, but I'm not there to lose. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah like in the total, he pulled that 595 deadlift. Mm-hmm. Looking at the guy, you never expect it. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I was like, when he pulled that, I was like, I've officially been demoralized. I'm the biggest athlete here. I can't even pull 500. Pat Vellner over there just pulled 595 with his little monkey arms. Yeah. That's he, what, that, he, that, that was the joke. He was like, he's like, you know why I can deadlift so much? He's like, my fingertips touch my knees. <laughs> yeah, he's so funny because he, he even jokes about it too. Oh, no. He, I mean, he, if you ever watch him in the CrossFit Games documentary, yeah. I can't remember who it was, but he's like, I look like a lost spectator out there. <laughs> And the funny thing is, he only trains once a day. Like, that's, that's, that's I don't want to say that's what he claims, but like, because of schooling, yeah. and, and he has to work so many hours while he's in chiropractor mm-hmm. school, he literally said, I, I was only able to train like once a day, where everyone else is training three, four times a day, eight hours straight. He's like, yeah, I train once a day for two hours. He's like, I was like, could you imagine? We were sitting at the award ceremony. I said, dude, could you imagine how good you'd be if you trained as much as Matt? He's like... I would blow my brains out. He's like, if all I had to do was CrossFit and I was able to quit my job and just do CrossFit, he's like, I honestly think that I would I would hate it. He's like, yeah. I love the fact that I only train a couple hours a day and I'm still this and I'm still just as good as I am. He's like, if I if the only thing I did was CrossFit or if I owned a gym, he said I, I would be burnt out within the first mm-hmm. the first couple years. He, he said he wouldn't be able to do it. So the fact that he does <clears throat> chiropractic is what allows him to like enjoy training. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So you touched on it a little bit, but obviously you learned a lot from the games. What does the future look like? What's the plan? So this might be contradicting, but I'm actually – my number one goal isn't going back to the games right away. Um, I think there's a couple of things I need to, to work on and refocus on. And one of those is myself financially. Um, people don't realize how much it costs to actually go to the games. Like everyone thinks like, oh, you're a games athlete. Everything's paid for not true at all. There's a lot of people who have to fund their own trips. And one of my goals for the next couple of years is, especially with all these changes, um, if regionals was still a thing and I, th- I thought, okay, I have, I have all this time, just start, start saving back up, get yourself back to a good standing condition, and then run for regionals. Now that that's not a thing and they have all these changes and all these athletes, I think with me being so young, it's a good idea for me to sit back and watch, keep training, Focus on my career, A, owning the gym, get put a lot of my attention to owning the gym, and maybe make another run in like, a, like maybe two or three years. Because think about it from this way. 
right now, a lot of the guys that are at the top of the podium are around 27, 28. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the average age. Yeah. Two to three years from now, I'm not saying they're going to be retired, but they're going to be on some type of either, either retiring or yeah. on, on a downgrade. Three years from now, I'll be 26. So that puts me in my prime just like they are now. So if I save my body for the next couple years, as in don't put myself through intensive, intensive games training, when I'm 25, 26, 27, I'll probably have a little bit more spring in my step versus if I'm one of the guys right now that's like, screw it, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train as much as I can. It's just too much stress on the body. And I found that out the hard way this year by overtraining. Like it can set you back. And it took me months to get back to the point where I could even do a back squat without feeling, feeling pain in my body. So I'm taking this as in a let the CrossFit Games figure out what they're going to do with all these athletes. See where the road is going to go. Is it team? Is it individual? I'm probably going to try to go for a team this year if I can find the right people to do it with me. And my goal is to save myself. I only train 90 minutes to two hours a day right now, five days a week. And I feel great because of it. Um, my body has, has not felt this good in a while. I just set two lifetime deadlift PRs for reps um, within the past month. Never pulled 500 pounds before in my life. Pulled 500 for two. And I pulled 505 yesterday for three. Never before have I done that. And I'm getting stronger. I'm getting faster. My body composition is better. And I'm training almost four hours less per day than I was last year. Well, this I guess you could say this year. Training for regionals. Training for the games. Even training for the open, I was doing doubles five days a week, getting ready for the open. Right now, I'm training one day. I'm, I'm training one time a day, five days a week, two rest days, and I'm only training 90 minutes to two hours. I feel great. I haven't felt this good in a long time. It's it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so what if you win next month? In if I win Miami? next month, I'm going to the games. Oh, okay. Yes, but if I if I earn a spot to the CrossFit Games, I'm not going to be like, guys, I need some time off. You can go ahead and have that. I'm going to take it, and I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, it'll be cool to be one of the first athletes to go to the games underneath this new, this new style. Mm-hmm. But the, the what the point that I try I put across to my sponsors because anytime you're dealing with sponsors, it's like, oh well, we need you present in the scene, you know, to to kind of earn your keep. Is if I save my body now, I'll be better in the long run. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to kill myself over trying to go to the games by overtraining all the time. I'm going to do it smart. I'm going to take a step back and take a step forward because, yeah. like I said, everyone who right now is 23, 24, they're a little bit younger in the sport. If they think they're going to be doing this four to five years from now, and like, what are they going to do underneath this new, this new sanction? There's a competition every two weeks. You're never going to get time off underneath yeah. this, this new format. So you have to be really smart about how you're going to do it. So for all those guys that are training, competing, training, competing, training, competing, they're going to be messed up by the time they get to their prime. Me, when I get to my prime, I want to, I want to be fresh. I want, I want to feel like I did the right thing. So that's why I'm thinking a small step back for the next year could be a giant step forward two to three years from now. No yeah. one's looking at it that way. Mm-hmm. No one. Everyone's thinking like, I'm doing this now. Why not just keep doing it? Time under tension is a very powerful thing on the body. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's, yeah, that's an interesting. I've never heard anyone say that. Yeah, look at it that way. So that's cool. I'm just looking at longevity. If I want to yeah. do this, if I want to do this for the next five, five or so years, yeah. you can't beat yourself up in the first two years. Yeah, it's interesting because you don't really realize you don't reach your prime until you're 25, 26, 27. Exactly. You know, 
So if I'm 23 and I was able to make it, yeah. and I'm not in my prime, when I'm in my prime, I'll be able to make it again. Yeah. And like I said, all the guys at the top who are 28, 29, hope, hopefully three to four years, like two or three years from now, they'll kind of be hanging up the skates, mm-hmm. as, I, as we say in the hockey world. Hockey. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It, it's an interesting road. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize what it's like being a gym owner and an athlete and only being 23, but it's, it's just so much stress. And mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think a couple years where my body has less stressors could be good for me in the long run. And yeah. my coach thinks the same thing. All my sponsors think the same thing, and we're all on the same page. So, like I said, if I qualify, I'm not going to say no, but I'm also not going to go out there and try to run myself in the ground doing so. So the last thing I wanted to ask you was what would you tell someone who's kind of like borderline, trying to make the games – like kind of like in your position, I guess, like your age. Yeah. So there's a couple things. One, find a good coach. Find somebody who you can work with on a daily basis. If, if you have a coach where they send you a program, they don't answer your text messages, the only way you can talk to them is through an email. If you can't call your coach and ask a question or change things up, you need a new coach. You need somebody who is there for you. And I've been lucky enough to have that guy. Um, so find one coach. You can't have multiple coaches. Because programs conflicting is the mm-hmm. biggest thing that keeps people from going, getting to that next level. You need to have everything working for itself. So you can't have, you can't have one guy doing your weightlifting program, one guy doing your gymnastics program, one guy doing your, your Olympic weightlifting. You need one coach and follow one program. Number two, it is follow that program to a T. If he says to do something, you do it. You don't say no. You don't skip. You don't say, oh, I'm going to do three sets because four sets is too hard. Like You need to follow that program to a T and... Three, the biggest thing that helped me this year was I found a nutrition coach. For the longest time, I never thought nutrition was something that could help an athlete. Like, whatever, as long as you're eating enough to train, why does it matter? No. I found a really, really good nutrition coach this year. He helped me with my macros, um, which not you don't have to do macros, but just finding somebody who can help you dial in, it's huge. It's, it's big for recovery. It improves your workout times. It improves body composition. It improves... Every single thing that I did this year, I would like to say is because I followed the program and I found my and I found the right diet to support that program. And that's the thing. My nutrition coach and my programming coach, they talk. Like they're willing to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. So my nutritionist knew exactly how many calories I needed on a weekly basis in order to support my training program. It's huge. Mm-hmm. If you can find one guy that does both, have at it. But I was able to find two guys that are willing to work together for one common goal, and that's to get me to the games, and it worked. And I did it in, I don't want to say record-breaking time, but for how young I am, to only start training at 18 years old and in five years be at the games, it's hard. It's yeah. really hard. And you, it's almost, it was, for the longest time, an uncommon thing because most of these guys go through college sports. So they have training backgrounds, and then they go in the CrossFit, and they're in their prime which is the reason why they can turn around so quickly. To be young and do it, it's even harder because you're still developing. So if you're going to do it at a young age, you need to do it right the first time because you don't get a second chance. Like you only get one body. If you ruin it at 18, 19, and 20 years old, it's not going to work. So find the right stuff right away. Hmm. All right. And then I had a special request to ask you something. Oh, here we go. (laughs) What's your favorite thing to eat at Domenico's? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Am I allowed to list things or is it just one? You can list things. Okay, Whatever. so if it's after a heavy weightlifting day, the pasta gorgonzola with buffalo with fried buffalo chicken, 
that's like after on a Saturday after doing when I would do heavy triples, which was like weightlifting, gymnastics, metcons, aerobic capacity, like everything. I'm talking like four hour workouts. Boom, Dominicos. I w- <laughs> that's what I would get, and it's like it's like blue cheese pasta sauce mm. with with fried buffalo chicken. That's one. The other one, Hawaiian pizza with bacon mm. on it. That's number two. Um, after that, number three is I love Rubens. Like I have a weakness for Rubens, <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I mean, there's nothing better than a Rubens. So I would always go over and get those. So one of, one of those three is like guaranteed to be hit after after some pretty intense training, especially on a refeed day. Refeed day, I might even get all three of them. <laughs> No, there. What's that? And dessert. Of course. Where? I would. A lot of times, I would go over to Natural. <laughs> Either that, or I would get the Spumoni cheesecake at Dominico's. Or they have like those Leona ice cream sandwiches. Those are like a weakness for me too. So everything's sweets. That's why I'm so fat. You know. Sometimes, sometimes you have to be heavy. You know, and yeah. right now is one of those times, so I enjoy my sweets during the cross, like training for the CrossFit Games. Like if I had a Hershey, Hershey Kiss. You can ask my nutrition coach. He cannot keep track of how many times I would text him and ask him for permission to go get like a snack. I would literally text him and be like, hey, I'm at a macros. Can I please have ice cream? And he would be like, stop texting me and just go eat the damn ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh. no, I, 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 I love food. Yeah, I love food. I think we all do. Yes. Except Regina. No, I love food. Yeah, I mean, if you don't love food, I feel, I feel bad for yeah. you. I do CrossFit so I can eat more food. That's the, that's why I started doing CrossFit, yeah. so I can eat more food. Uh, so where can people find you? Um, so Instagram is at EthanHelbig35. Everyone always asks what the 35 means. It's my old hockey number. Just never got, got around to taking it off or changing it. Um, Facebook is, I think it's just at EthanHelbig. And then the gym is um, at Beyond Parallel. I think it's Beyond Underscore Parallel. I'd probably have to look it up, but it's Beyond Underscore Parallel. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for doing this with me. Of course, this is man. awesome. I yeah. appreciate it. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, best of luck in the future. Thank See you. See how that three-year plan plays out. Hey, be looking for you. Like I said, I'm, I'm not. I'm not down and out this year. Yeah. I just have. I have a backup plan. So. Yeah. We'll see what happens. All right. Sounds good. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week.